Welcome to the Intersecting Us podcast, where math and life intersect. Welcome to the first episode of the Intersecting Us podcast. Hi, I'm Brian Ryder, and with me is the one who will always be with me on these podcasts, Dave Kester. How are you doing today, Dave? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty well. And I guess one reason I'm doing well is that I'm encouraged that we get to begin this podcast journey together as part of Intersecting Us. And in case you do not know, Intersecting Us is a place where life and math intersect. We do this on our website, through produced videos, and now through our podcasts. So Brian, it seems like we've got a lot going on at Intersecting Us. So can you share how these podcasts fill a missing piece at Intersecting Us? As we do these podcasts, we're going to get into some ideas, and that's what the will be mostly coming off of the video series that we do, which we'll talk about in, in future podcasts. We want to engage with people, and the website shows you how to do that with questions and even statements about life and math and, and how they go together. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, I guess you're calling them math stories. People can go to the website and read those, but that seems to be the kind of the transition that you use to get to where we are at intersecting us. Right. I think the thing that I would like to try to try to clarify as best as I can is really what do I think about math and why should you even show up at intersecting us? Because if that is not clear, you're going to probably be pretty disappointed <laughs> because you'll be looking for something that's not there. And math is a wonderful tool to help solve a lot of problems. There's engineers that use math, there's actuaries that use math, and it's a utilitarian kind of aspect to it. That is not what I'm going to be talking about or what we're going to be talking about math. And fortunately, there's nearly unlimited resources of space on the web to learn about how to make math more practical in your life. Dave's Perspective of Math. So what I'm going to be talking about is my perspective of math is that it's not from what can it do for me. I'm going to use a couple of illustrations, you know, I like stories. So one, one story I'll share with you that I just thought about this morning on my walk. So this is like real time thinking. So don't, don't take this too seriously, but it kind of made sense to me is that imagine an alien um, coming to this world and let's say it could put their thumbs together and then it would just disappear. And you just observe that. that. That would be like shocking. It's like, wow. And so you try to do it. You put your thumbs together and you don't disappear. And so there are two different ways to look at that. One, you could say, well, that is just not useful for me because I can't put my two thumbs together and disappear. And so you could say this is useless information. But on the other hand, you could say, now that is really amazing. That, Wow, I cannot believe, I never saw that before. That is, that is truly amazing. And so you could have that second perspective. And so when you think about math, there is that aspect of something that's going to help you in your day to maybe get a job and do those things. And that is part of your world and that's good. But the world we're going to be talking about with math is that second world where math is something that 
is seems to be like in a different world. It has ideas that may seem alien. And if you're asking the question, where will I use this? How can I, how can I use this? You're asking the wrong question because it's, it's not something that is about what can you do with this. It's about just appreciating what it is and recognizing that it's something different and it's in a different world than what we live in. And I know that, that may seem like an odd idea, but you could think about it maybe in a different way if you if you like set theory. Think of your world as a circle. And that that world is the world that you know. So, you know, it's the things you can touch, the things that are tangible to you, whatever in your mind is you think of like, okay, this is my world. And then think of math as another circle. And that circle will intersect your circle, but most of that is outside of your circle. In other words, it's outside of your world and it's a separate world. And it's not just a matter of bringing more of that into your world, but it's recognizing that when you go into that part of math, that abstract part of math, you are actually leaving your world and you're going into another world. And if you want to think about it as just something that's abstract, you could think about it as an alien type of world. You can think about it really however you want. But what I would like you to think about it is that it's not part of the tangible world that you live in. And so that is how we explore math at Intersecting Us is we're looking at that part of math that is not in the tangible part. And so you may think that's like imaginary stuff. Maybe that's kind of fun and, you know, creative, but it may not be for you. And that could be true. But one thing to think about is that I, I kind of thought about that world and why is this world so interesting to me? And so I came up with three reasons why this abstract world really appeals to me and why I'm more interested in being in that world than in the what we may think of as the real world. And so the first thing is that, that there is like perfect order in that world. There's rules, and it's it's something that all of the people that go into that world agree upon, which is really amazing. How many things do you find that everyone agrees upon? I mean, it just doesn't happen. Right? Yeah, and that's one of the things you, you think about when you can be connected and intersect different people because of location. Most of the time, if we have the freedom, we'll intersect with people who we do have some commonality with and, and sometimes just finding anybody is a good thing. But that that is the one of the keys of intersection. There's got to be some point of commonality. Right. And so in math, you think about no one's arguing two plus two equals four. No one argues with the Pythagorean theorem. No one argues that root two is an irrational number. No one argues that pi has an infinite number of decimal places. All of this math is something that we all agree upon as math people, which is really amazing. So it, it crosses time, it crosses cultures, it crosses languages, it's timeless, and there's common ground to it all. And so math is this special world where amazing things happen. 
And so that's kind of like one thing is there's this order, there's this timeless aspect to it that doesn't change. And to me, that's just appealing is that it's not going to change tomorrow. And the second thing I like about math is that it's a way of celebrating humanity. And I think that part of what makes math not attractive to people is that we have done a good job of taking humans out of math. And math is not just a subject that we study. It's a story of going way back in the beginning of time when people try to figure this out. And you can start wherever you want, but a lot of us started with geometry and Euclid. And those people came up with truly amazing ideas. And the ideas that Euclid came up with, again, the timeless part of it, are still true today. But then he came up with things and, you know, People built on that, and Newton built on what Euclid did, and then Euler built on what Newton did, and it goes on and on. And this world that is abstract, that is not of this world, is a collection of what I would say some of the greatest minds throughout history have worked on, and they have built upon each other. So there's this like cathedral of ideas that fit together like a puzzle that continues to expand and grow. And it provides a lot of surprises. And, and people miss that in math because we don't necessarily identify surprises because we all know two plus two equals four. There's not a surprise in that. But as you get into interesting math, there's an incredible amount of surprises that occur. Things that our intuition, our humanness would think is not possible. And yet math people find out, no, that is true. And so those things are just like fun stories to to uncover. But at the root of it all, there's a human element that is to be celebrated. And it's something that for whatever reason, we humans have an ability to comprehend that. And I know uh, Brian had shared with me a, a podcast about just that whole idea that we humans can even have the capacity to think about these things is truly an amazing thing. And again, we take that for granted because it's just something that is very part of our natural world is we, we just think about these things and, and we assume that that's not a big deal. And that maybe isn't such a big deal if you're talking about concrete things, but once you get into abstract things, I think it's really incredible that we can go into this second world and talk about and understand things, agree about things. And so I think that's just super cool. And that really leads to the third thing, which is just math is just beautiful. And the more you see it, I think the more you see the beauty, it's difficult to try to convince people of beauty. And that's not anything I'm going to try to do, but I am going to share beauty that I see in math and appreciate it. And I hope that it'll be something that you'll find beautiful. But I realize beauty is not eye of the beholder. So it's not anything that is a right or wrong thing. You may see beauty in some things that I don't see. But math has unusual characteristic of even though it's abstract, there's some really beautiful things that flow through math. So I think a lot of what you're talking about is discovering stuff. If you have math, like you said, we agree about it, has certain rules. You're always going to get the same result once you discover how it works. 
And I think some of the stories that you have on the website at intersectings.com have some of those people, mathematicians discovering some of this stuff. It's always interesting to see there's things that we take for granted in, in math and actual science that we didn't in centuries past because we didn't know. We hadn't discovered that this worked. And then that is that beauty there when you start how something so complex and something we didn't even know, kind of back to your analogy of the person who disappears or the alien, we didn't even know that that was even possible. But once you see it, then you're like, you see the, the wonder of it and you start discovering things. And that's one of the things that bridges mathematics with philosophy and even science is the idea that you have to discover these things, even though once you're in the world, as you say, or in the system, then it all does work and the results are always the same. And, and, and that's what's really, really cool about math because you can count on it once you understand it. Um, but it takes time to understand it. You've got to use deduction sometimes, induction. So it's kind of a quest almost. Mm -hmm. And looking at some of those things that have happened, and I suppose most of the main math things have been found, they were there a long time ago, but mm -hmm. it's quantified more in the last four or five centuries with people who had just started thinking about things in a different way, looking at things in a different perspective, which brings that human idea. And we were talking about artificial intelligence. It's the term. We know what intelligence looks like. I think it, it shows ability to reason, maybe even make choices, make right choices, correct choices, maybe better put. And that's where we're blurring the line now. And in our culture is what's the difference between artificial and real? And we talk about reality. What is that? Well, math is real. And when you get in some of these mathematical things like in-dimensional space, that's real. It works on paper in that world. But to try to conceive of it, how it works in humanity, it's sometimes hard to make that bridge, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the way you put about the discovery part. And that reminds me of another reason why I... Uh, appreciate having you on board intersecting us is that you really are in discovery mode. And another reason why I want people not to show up for intersecting us, I'm giving you reasons not to show up, but <laughs> if you want to like find answers, if you want someone to tell you what is the right answer, we're not the right place to go because we're good at asking questions and believe in the discovery mode that there's much more to discover than what we currently know. And so we find that often asking the right questions is the biggest part of that discovery process. And so, Brian, you really enjoy talking to people. And I know you have like an incredible library of knowledge if you just want to like quantify things. As you've been to school, you live life. And so there's this incredible knowledge out there. And yet you really like to approach people by asking questions. And I just find that so inspiring because you've got such wonderful questions that you're asking that really allow me to process and to think for myself. So that's what we're energized is to ask some of these difficult questions. And we believe that they're important questions and, and we believe you can probe along with us and you'll, you'll maybe find a little bit different answer than what we have. And then that's cool. The last thing works in people is to come to the same conclusions we do. That That's just not in the game plan here. But we do want to ask questions that we think 
are worth asking that really impact your life. And that motivates us as we've done life together, as we've gone through marriages and raising kids. These ideas are not just like fanciful things that are fun to talk about. They've made a difference in how we've lived life and how we resolve conflict and how we value other people and where we spend our time and resources. And so this is not just like a hobby. It's really the core of, of who we are. And even though it's a very playful approach, it's things that are fundamental to how we see life. After the break, Brian shares the importance of finding meaning in life. so quick. And that's why math helps your mind to probe things in a way that other things don't. But if you look at science, it's just really a way of applying math in a lot of ways. But I think one of the things intersecting us is trying to help everybody do, including ourselves, is just finding meaning in what we do. And so that may be an answer. It may just be a, a way of looking at something, but the meaning, like I said before, it's always good, I think, to step back and say, when we make decisions about, you know, if you want to become an actuary, you want to stay an actuary, you want to go to this company, go to that company. A lot of that has to do with meaning. And then what is the most meaningful thing? I think we both agree. And this isn't anything that's innovative. It's been there for millennia is that connections, intersections with other people is the most meaningful thing. Certainly we all can have our time that we like to be by ourselves, but you think about other people when you do that and or read books about other people or listen to music that's been written by other people. You're always intersecting. And I think that's everybody's comfortable at different levels, but the question method is just the old Socratic method is really all it is. The unexamined mind is not worth living. Unexamined life is not worth living. The idea of examine what matters. And I think where we've seen just in this few months that we've started to think about video material, which is going to start coming out fairly quickly here on Intersecting Us, and a lot of our podcasts will be talking about that. But we found that math and life intersects so well because of some of the same ways to think about math cross over into life fairly quickly, even though they're different categories. And when we see that, where we really get down is demeaning because you go back to the actuarial stuff because we both have, and I suppose a lot of people listening maybe have some exposure to that if they're not actuaries. The idea of the combination of very analytical, objective data you're trying to understand and, and regurgitate in some ways and the whole emotion and meaning and all that that goes with it. Why am I taking these exams? Because you get that same alien that came and said, why are you so upset? I had to study for eight hours before this exam I've got coming up. And they're like, what are you doing that for? Why don't you go do something fun? I know for you, Dave, maybe that was fun, but I never had a lot of fun doing it. But why are you doing it? Because it obviously has meaning. 
And hopefully it has some enjoyment to it too. Most people who hate math don't become actuaries. We might not even be capable for one, but it's just not something that's in your wheelhouse. So we're coming from a math standpoint, but you don't have to be a math person to talk about the things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about life and what really matters. And we're going to talk about it objectively and subjectively, meaning objectively, meaning there are things out there that we know. Subjectively, how does that make me think about that? What do I think about when someone that I care about dies in my company or in my family or in my neighborhood? That's hard to quantify now, isn't it? And we're going to try to hit some of those questions. And that's reality. And there's obviously throughout the history of humanity, there's been different views of that. People think they have it right or have it wrong. But the, I think the worst thing to do is not think about it. If you're driving a car and you know that eventually it's going to drive off a cliff, you might want to think about it. <laughs> Maybe you want to go slower. <laughs> Maybe you want to find a different path. Those are real questions. I can approximate when you'll die. That's neat. What difference does it make? That's what we're trying to talk about in this. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what is the whole purpose behind it all to begin with? Yeah. And I think that the other thing that was interesting you were talking about was world. If you've done any philosophy, it, sometimes it's hard for people to get their mind around this. I think math people probably do a little bit better with this because we'll say in possible worlds, we're not talking about Venus and Alpha Centauri and all that stuff. We're talking about contingencies, which is a heck of a actual word. The idea there are choices that agents that have the ability to choose. Uh, and if you choose a different way, that's a different world. For instance, like I, we're talking here on our podcast and I've got a coffee cup over here. Now, if I, well, in one world, I leave the coffee cup where it's at and then the world goes on. That's one variable. What do I do with my coffee cup? We'll just call it A. Now in this world, I picked it up. Now, does that make any difference? You've probably heard of the butterfly effect of a butterfly mm -hmm. flaps its wings and across the ocean that somehow it affects this. And then you got all these things that happen. But if you're listening to this, stop and Think about that. And there's so many contingencies that can change the world and the way the world goes out. And a lot of them, we don't have any control over. There's things going on today. There's something going on in Ecuador with their political system and all that. And I'm like, well, that doesn't affect me. Well, you never know, especially how that works. And, and so you have these different philosophical worlds and you try to look into, well, if we do this, how does that change the world? Well, that's kind of what you do in actuarial science when you do like asset liability modeling. I mean, that's kind of what that is. You change the interest rate curve variables and see what happens. That You're doing philosophy there. You didn't even know it. But in math, once you get into the world, like you said, Euclidean geometry or when you get into imaginary numbers, and once you get in there and start using it, now you've discovered some new world. And math, the cool part about that, it's if you use the rules of that world, you can do all kinds of amazing things mm -hmm. and make calculations that might have a little bit of applicability to the real world. If nothing else, it makes you think differently, mm -hmm. that there's possibilities. And I think one of the things we've discovered with the years that we've lived and we've talked about this around campfires and stuff is that. Well, and this is a thing that it's, it's not that deep. Sometimes you wonder, I think it is deep on one hand, is the idea that you never exhaust human relationships. You never, you can't. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. And math helps us with like the repeating infinite decimal of pi or a number line going 
to the biggest number. And we've all done that, you know, give me the biggest number and then plus one, you know, well, that's the same thing here. It's like, well, I've exhausted all the possible experiences I can have with this person. Well, no, that's not, that doesn't even make any sense. You can always have one more. Mm-hmm. And then each one can be probed differently. And so that crossover is, is so interesting to me. And that's where the meaning lies. And some of those stories you have in the Lazarus math portion of the website, the idea of like one of those mathematicians, it's almost like they're feeling joy when they discover something. Mm-hmm. That's emotion. It's like, I don't think chat GPT or Bard or whatever feels joy after they hit done. There's a difference between artificial and real mm-hmm. and we can't it can't quantify it and i do think we're going to find that out that as close as ai gets to real i <laughs> i think we're all there's always going to be a disconnect because you can't exhaust you can get to the end of the code you're never going to get to the end of the code we can't do that with our minds why we all matter even in a big world so i like that idea you said celebration of humanity That's what we're seeing here. But whoever's listening, it's the idea of we all deep down know that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to go through life thinking they have no, nothing matters. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's just going through the motion. And that's what robots do because they don't, nothing does matter. They're just doing what they're programmed to do. Mm -hmm. Right. If I were to summarize why intersecting us is something that gets me excited is that our lives do matter. And I know for a fact how easy it is to get lost in the largeness of life. As you study things, you start contemplating things and you see how big everything is. And in contrast, we can feel very small. And that is kind of a dangerous uh, path to go on because I believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. All of us are. And we are here for a reason and we're here for a purpose and we have tremendous value just by being here, just by breathing. And all this bigness and vastness that's out there, what it leads me to is a reminder about how much value people, and that's the part I like to celebrate, is that part of it. And so I'm not really motivated to try to prove anything being right or better. What I want to do is kind of celebrate that aspect that we have an opportunity to enjoy beautiful things. And I see beauty in math and we have limited time to talk about that. So, you know, that's what I like to do. This has been the Intersecting Us podcast. To further engage with Intersecting Us, go to intersectingus.com.